0: In Mark, the 8th chapter, uh, we looked at these verses on last Sunday, uh, and I want us to begin here again this morning just briefly to touch on this and review a little bit of where we were last week. Now, we, we have not stepped away uh, permanently from Matthew, the 6th chapter, verses 19 through 34. Those, those verses are going to be critically important uh, for us together on Sunday mornings for the foreseeable future and I'm really excited about some of the things the Lord or all the things that matter but specific things that the Lord has been revealing to me concerning those verses and and how they relate to our lives and what he's desiring to do uh, in and through and among us but this morning I felt led of the Holy Spirit to step back from that for a moment to uh, to give you some background as as to what it means For your whole body to be full of light. Um, If you remember, Matthew uh, 6, verse 19 begins with Jesus instructing us, Do not lay up treasure on the earth. He then says to lay up treasure in heaven. Then he says the lamp of the body is the eye. And if your eye be single, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye be divided, double vision or bad, different translations, they all refer to that central idea of dual focus, seeing double, being double-minded. He said, your whole body uh, will be filled with darkness, and if the light that is in you be darkness, how great is the darkness? And what we are going after, this significant shift that the Lord's been speaking to us about, uh, it, it involves this idea of our entire bodies being filled with light Light being simply defined as the ability to see. Light being defined as the ability to see. And of course, the light of God means being able to see things the way God sees them. Now, it's one thing for us to see outwardly with our uh, physical eyes, but it's another thing altogether for us to see inwardly. Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. But my Father in heaven. Father God inwardly gave Peter the ability to see Jesus in that moment for who he truly was. Now, one of the statements that we've made over and over and will continue to make is you were never meant to live in the world with the view of the world that comes from the world. And sadly, this is where a lot of God's people are. They're born again, they're going to heaven, their names are already written in the Lamb's book of life, and for that matter, they're already seated together with Jesus. In heavenly places, they just don't see it yet. (laughs) They're not seeing the world from that viewpoint, from that perspective. So we were never meant to live in the world with a view of the world that comes from the world. But what? We're to live in this world with a view of this world that comes from heaven. And that was one of the main keys to Jesus' success as a human being on this planet, is that he didn't see things the way everyone else saw them. Now, this morning and perhaps even into next Sunday... We're going to be uh, speaking to this idea of recovery of sight to the blind, recovery of sight to the blind. And if we get to it this morning, we're going to look at at the account of a gentleman named Bartimaeus. And um, Bartimaeus was blind and he was sitting on the roadside in darkness and Jesus passed by and Bartimaeus began to cry out for Jesus to have mercy on him. And those around him were trying to quieten him. They were trying to, to, to silence him. And, and the more they tried to get him to hush, the louder he got. And he was crying out for Jesus. He was crying out for Jesus to restore his ability to see. And my prayer for us as a family of faith is that we would get as desperate as Bartimaeus got to see things as they truly are to see inwardly the way God designed for us to see inwardly and so I want to give you a little background on that after we do some review this morning so let's go to Mark chapter 8 verse 14 it says now the disciples had forgotten to take bread now they're getting in a boat right and they're and they're taking a trip and they had forgotten to pack a lunch and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat so one loaf of bread Divided by 13 men, that's not a whole lot. Then Jesus charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. Notice where their focus is. Their focus is on the physical. Their focus is on the natural. Their focus is on having enough food for the journey. Jesus is focused on something completely different than that. Jesus is trying to help his disciples Understand that uh, ideas, uh, philosophy, ideology, uh, thinking of this world, or let's say it's simple, the worldview, the view of this world that comes from this world, which Herod being r- religious and um, uh, uh, take heed I'm sorry, Pharisees being religious, Herod being political, how these things can become an overlay. Uh, of the of the lens that Jesus was trying to develop within them, and remember we've said that the, the that what you look to becomes the lens you look through, and the lens you look through becomes the light you live in. Okay, and so Levin, you know, thinking that did not come from God but came from religious philosophy and tradition, or thinking that came from political philosophy and tradition, if if we allow it to be. It will cloud our vision, or it will distort our vision. And so, this is what Jesus, or the way. Let me. When I say vision, let me just say this: the way we look at things, okay, the way we see things. This is what's got to change: the way we see things. Everything else has already changed. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us, and and Jesus said He was in us under pressure, like a fountain wanting to be released and flow forth from us. But how we see things will either facilitate that flowing or it will hinder or stop it altogether. And so the reason among themselves saying it's because we have no bread. But Jesus being aware of it said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes do you not see and having ears do you not hear and do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000 how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said to him, 12. So they remembered it. They hadn't forgotten that event. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it you do not understand? Now, these words, do you not see? Do you not understand? Do you not know? Do you not remember? All of these are English translations of two words in the Greek that are related and in some ways even synonymous with one another. Understand has to do with um, seeing with perception. Uh, Some translations even translate it perceive. And it's talking about this inward seeing. And when he says, do you not know, um, in the Greek, this word has to do with putting two things together. with We might say connecting the dots or putting two and two together. And in this case, what was not being put together was what they were seeing outwardly, with how they were seeing inwardly. Are you still with me? So Jesus said, you have eyes to see, but you don't see. You have ears to hear, but you're not hearing. You have hearts to understand, but you're not seeing. You're not perceiving inwardly what your eyes have already experienced outwardly. Now, having eyes to see, but not seeing, was among the biggest problems the disciples struggled with. And I believe it is still one of the greatest problems that exist in the church today, in the body of Christ today. Despite having twice participated in the miraculous feeding of thousands of people, the disciples are still seeing lack and shortage when it comes to food. So the disciples saw outwardly but remained blind inwardly. The disciples saw outwardly but remained blind inwardly. What do we mean by this? Everything they witnessed. You ever use this expression, I saw it with my own two eyes, right? Right? Everything they saw with their own two eyes leading up to Jesus' resurrection should have prepared them to expect Him to walk out of the tomb. Think for a moment what all they had seen. They had seen Jesus open deaf ears. They had seen Jesus open blind eyes. They had seen Jesus heal uh, crippled people, paralyzed people. They had seen Jesus heal a woman that had been to uh, so many doctors and was none the better. They had seen Jesus raise Jairus' his daughter from the dead. They had seen Jesus walk on water. They had seen Jesus cast out demons. They had cast them out themselves. They had healed people themselves. They, with God's anointing upon them, they were there. They were there the day Lazarus came out of the tomb with the odor of his rotten body still in the air they watched him come out of the tomb all of these things were things that they had seen outwardly but they were still blind inwardly they had eyes to see and their eyes had seen things that other human beings throughout history had never seen and there's part of us listen to me now I I know you because I know me there's part of me, and I believe there's part of us that says, well, if I'd seen all that, I'd have been there waiting for him to come out of that tomb that, that first Easter mo- morning. But see, Jesus said it this way. Remember, remember the rich man and Lazarus? And Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom. The rich man uh, went to Hades, and, and, and he's being tormented there, and he's asking for Lazarus to bring him some water. And, and Jesus says, it doesn't work that way. There's a gulf between the two, and you can't go back and forth. And he says, we'll send Lazarus back from the dead to go warn my brothers. Every time I read that, it makes me think of when my dad, uh, Brother Ronnie was on Paris Island and his younger brother was talking about coming too. And dad called him and said, whatever you do, don't come to this place. right?" And so the rich man's wanting Lazarus to go back from the dead and warn his brothers to not follow the path that he followed to hell. right? And this is what Jesus said. Now, if Jesus said it, it has to be true, Jesus said, they have the scriptures. If they will not believe, because the scriptures say it, faith by hearing, hearing by the word of God, then they will not believe, even if they outwardly see someone raised from the dead. Now you think, what in the world? I've mentioned a time or two, uh, this, uh, this book that I, I have uh, recently participated in, Imagine Heaven, and one of the things that, that, there's a lot of things in that book that has fascinated me, but one of the things that has fascinated me is the people who, who their spirit and soul left their body, they saw Jesus and talked to him, came back into their body, but still don't believe in him. Still won't accept him. Let me say it another way. They still won't accept him or recognize him as, their, as who the Bible says he is. And you think, my goodness, if I, if I saw the Lord, I would believe in him. See, seeing him with your physical eyes is one thing. Having eyes to see is one thing. Seeing inwardly is something completely different. Lord, that I might receive my sight. Bartimaeus, what would you have me do for you, sir? That I might receive my sight. I want to see. I want to see. Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right, now. Consider the following verses. And... The Bible has a lot to say about light. (laughs) You don't have to read the Bible very long to find it talking about light. Old Testament, but then bring it on in the New Testament. We see so much mention of light in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, we even see light with a capital L referring to Jesus himself because he is the light. Now I'm going to ask you to do something this morning and the Holy Spirit's going to help us as we go through some background verses concerning light and darkness, I want you to see them for the first time perhaps in a way that you've never seen them before. And what I mean by that is I want you to consider light as the ability to see things as they truly are. And I want you to consider darkness as the inability to see or as the inability to see things as they truly are. Okay? This will help you because when we, when we see, for example, in the scriptures that Jesus is the light of the world, what does that mean? Jesus is the ability to see things as they truly are. If you want to know how things truly are, don't look to this world to try to figure that out. Look to Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world, meaning this is why he is truth. He doesn't just have truth or teach truth or tell truth or give truth. He is truth and as a truth, he is the way things truly are. There is a huge disconnect between the way things are and the way things truly are. And if we simply look at the way things appear, as at the way things seem to be, also known as walking by sight, that's why we don't walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. Excuse me. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. To walk by sight means to live your life based upon the way things look, seem, and feel. But things are not as they appear to be. Alright, so let's um we're gonna look at a few verses this morning. Amen. You ready? I'll put them on, I'll put them on the screen behind you. All right. So John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Have the light of life. The light being again the ability to see things as they truly are. Jesus says, I am the ability to see things as they truly are in this world. And he who follows me Will not walk in this inability to see things as they truly are, but will have the ability to see things as they truly are—the light of, of life itself. Now, Second Corinthians chapter four and verse four says, "Whose minds the God of this age." And notice, notice that's lowercase G O D. I know that we say this over and over again, pointing it out from Scripture. I'm going to say it again this morning. Satan is the lowercase g-o-d of this world. Jesus identified Jesus identified Satan as the ruler of this world. We keep thinking that God is running this world. God is not running this world. God's running heaven. Satan is running this world. If God is running this world, he's doing a poor job of it. Nowhere in heaven last night were 20 young people shot at a birthday party. I don't know if you've heard that one yet. That was in Alabama, Dadeville, Alabama. Four dead. Somebody celebrating their 16th birthday party. He says, whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 for you were once darkness but now you are light in the Lord walk as children of light remember now we're we're in this world but we're not of it and we're in this world for a purpose we have a destiny we have an assignment we are to bring fruit forth from this world to the glory of our creator father we're in this world we're not of this world and we will never change this world trying to live in this world with a view that comes from this world the way we change this world for the glory of our father is to see this world the way he sees it and that begins with people We've got to learn how to see people the way Father sees them. That's a different message for a different day. So notice now, Jesus says he's the light of the world, but he came to make you and me the offspring of his light. We were born of his seed. Seed reproduces after its own kind. If Jesus is the light of the world and we were born from Him, then we are sons of light. And that's what we're going to see in some of these verses that follow. But notice He says, You were once darkness, but now you are light. In the Lord walk as children of light. So very important that we understand the difference between being darkness and still being in the dark. There are a lot of God's people who are no longer darkness by identity, but they still live their lives with an inability to see things as they truly are. We are no longer darkness. Before we were born again, we weren't just in the dark, we were the darkness. But we are no longer darkness. Remember what Jesus said. If the Son makes you free, you shall be free in your performed action. If He makes you light, you now have the ability in you to be filled with light and to see things as they truly are in this this world. Let's go to John chapter 12 now, verses 35 through 46. Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. But although he he had done many signs before them, they did not believe in him. That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Let's stop here for a moment. These two verses are not talking about separate subjects. The arm of the Lord will be revealed to those who believe the report of the Lord. So many in in the world in Isaiah's day and continuing in our day and during the day that Jesus was here on the earth is they're waiting to see the arm of the Lord before they decide whether or not they're going to believe the report of the Lord. They're wanting to see something with their outward eyes in order to decide whether or not they're going to believe with their inward eyes. And we've already established that unless you're wanting to see inwardly, it doesn't matter what you see outwardly. Unless you're willing to change what you focus on inwardly, it doesn't matter what you see outwardly. You can watch Jesus feed thousands and thousands of people. You can help Him do it and then worry about what you're going to have for supper that night. Be stressed out over whether or not you, you, you're going to have enough food for the month. I mean, you're like, you're like sitting there picking up 12 baskets full of fragments trying to figure out a way you can can it or freeze it or do something with it because you never know, you know when a you know, rainy day might come and you ain't got no food. Inwardly, not even phased, not even, it didn't even make a dent in how you see things inwardly. You say, Pastor Mark, I, I, I just, you listen now, this is why we have these things recorded for us in Scripture. Because it's so easy to say, man, if I'd have done that, I'd never worry about food again. Well, <laughs> Amen or old you still with me? He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Now, a more accurate translation that we find from this verse is in the message. And it, and it literally says that they screwed their eyes shut. It, 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 the way this is translated, it makes it sound like God is doing this. What's happening is all of these things are a result of the seed they have sown. These are, this, is a, this is what happens when, when we look to things that are less than God, it causes our inward man to be blinded to the truth. We'll talk more about that in the days ahead. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke to them. Nevertheless, so, so when Isaiah saw the glory of God, and and spoke of Jesus. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many did believe in Him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Jesus, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in Me, believes not in Me, but Him who sent Me. And He who, notice what He's saying now, sees Me, sees Him who sent Me. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Lord, I want to receive my sight. Moses is a benchmark for what Jesus came to do in you and me. And that benchmark is Moses endured and accomplished all that he endured and accomplished made some hard choices to suffer with God's people rather than enjoy the passing pleasures and conveniences of Egypt. How did he make those choices? How did he endure the things he endured? How did he deal with things the way he dealt with them? How did he accomplish all that he accomplished? The Bible said it was as if he was seeing Him who is invisible. All right, let me keep going here. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. So again, we're going to read quite a few verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God, capital W, speaking of Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus' life is our ability to see things as they truly are. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That means more than didn't understand it. Certainly it means they didn't understand it. But it also means that the darkness tried to quench. The darkness tried to extinguish. The darkness tried to put, it, put out the light, but it could not do it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is speaking of John the Baptist. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not, John the Baptist was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, the ability to see things as they truly are. That was the true light. Jesus is the true light. There are a lot of lights. In in other words, there's a lot of ways of looking at things. There are a lot of different ways to see things. That's one way of looking at it, is one of Satan's favorite tricks to play on you and me. Jesus even talked about when he said, if the light that's in you be darkness. In other words, he's saying, if the way you look at things is based upon an inability to see things as they truly are, how great will the darkness, the inability to see things as they truly are in you be? That was a true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Jesus is the true light. Amen? He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, children of light, sons of light, to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but we were born of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth." Now, I want you, this whole passage, we could, we could speak for weeks on the truth that's in this passage. That's not our intent. The point I'm trying to get you to see is that Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, the Word of God, a living, breathing expression of the divine intelligence, of the divine mind. If You want to know what God is thinking and how God thinks? Look at the life of Jesus. He is the Word of God, made flesh and dwelt among us. And we also see that He is the light. Now, notice what Psalm 119 and 130 says. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. It gives the ability to see, to perceive, to see with perception. Now, we know that just the spoken Word of God can bring light into a situation. How much more the living Word of God bringing light to all mankind. Now, if light is the ability to see things as they truly are, then then darkness is the inability to see... Or the inability to see things as they truly are. And I want to make that distinction, okay? Because we we tend to think, well, if it's the inability to see, we can't see nothing. But again, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Darkness, darkness is anything, any, let me say it this way, any view you have of something that's different from God's view. All right, stay with me. We're getting somewhere, okay? So... let's develop this thought for just a moment to define light and darkness this way seems to make less of them both and i and i got that and i I, I, jesus being the light of the world could potentially i guess mean a whole lot more than just the ability to see but if we, if we miss that understanding of what it means for him to be the light of the world, then guess what? We'll never understand what it means for you and me to be the light of the world. Jesus said you're the light of the world. Jesus said that you were once darkness, but now your light walk as children of light. Walking as a child of light and, and letting your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify Father in heaven means you're living your life in such a way as for other people to see how things truly are amen what does it say wisdom is justified of her children how's that working for you is how dr phil says it so to define light and darkness this way seems to make less of them both so let's look at the let's look at how that thought would apply to darkness I think sometimes we hear darkness and we imagine the worst kind of sin and evil. Biblically speaking, you know Sodom and Gomorrah is, is synonymous with the most evil place, the, the most wicked place. It's just a place of, of terrible darkness. But if we understand darkness as the inability to see... And what eventually became of Sodom and Gomorrah? What we're seeing is where things go when people keep living with the inability to see things as they truly are. So darkness is one thing, and and what you know prolonged life in darkness looks like. Amen. Is the fruit of that darkness, or the fruit of? The, the works of the flesh, as the Bible says in Galatians. Now, I want to—I don't know if we'll get much further than this, but I want to spend a minute here. Okay. In the book of Numbers, God instructs Moses to select one leader from each of the twelve tribes of Israel and to send them out as spies into the promised land ahead of the nation of Israel crossing over into it. I like to say it this way. It wasn't just twelve leaders, it was twelve pastors. Now that may not be accurate in their day, but I think it's accurate in our day. Because whoever you let speak into your life on a consistent basis, are you with me, is going to have a lot to do with the amount of light and or darkness that's in you. So God sent these 12 spies into the promised land and we see that they returned and 10 of the spies had a different report than two so you got 10 out of 12 saying there's no way we can't do it there's giants in the land it truly is a land that flows with milk and honey but but there are giants there I don't know if you ever have a chance to listen to Bill Winston, Pastor Bill Winston. Sometimes some of his off-the-cuff remarks are some of the most powerful things. Anybody ever considered that giants live in big houses? Giants live in big houses. Amen. Big houses. And so they know there's giants in the land. There's no way. We can't, that. blah, 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 right? Anybody remember what God said of their report? He said it was evil. It's an evil report. It was darkness because it caused the people, listen to me now, it caused the people... To see the promised land in a wrong and different light, light being the ability to see. So, what did God say about the promised land? He said, "It's yours." He, he said, "I gave it to you, I gave it to you, and I gave it to your father Abraham. I made a covenant with him. It's yours, and all you got to do is listen to me and trust me." He said, I'm not going to move them all out at one time because if I move them all out at one time, their vineyards will grow up and, and then you'll have to. Uh, Pam and I recently cleaned up a, uh, a yard that hadn't been cleaned up in a bunch of years. I'm going to tell you something. That's no fun. When you've got about six seasons worth of leaves, are you hearing me? So God says, you're going to live right alongside them. And as you need more land, I'm going to move them out. And you're going to move right in. It's going to be easy peasy, lemon squeezy, and you just trust me and everything's good, right? He t- he t- that's the light, right? That's the truth. That's how God wanted them to look at it. Ten spies come back and say, well, let me tell you this, God was right about this part. It is a land that flows with milk and honey. Here are the grapes. We brought back evidence. But let me tell you something he didn't tell you. Let me tell you what God didn't mention that you need to know so that you can make an intelligent and informed decision. There are giants there, and there's a lot of them. And they have militaries that march in rank and file. And they are weaponized. And they have giant. They're, they're giving them all these things, okay? Now, hear me. And in Jesus' name, this is going to register with every person listening to me right now. Everything the ten spies said was factual, they didn't exaggerate anything. They didn't lie about anything. Are you following me? In other words, they weren't saying they weren't saying there's giants over there, and it was just that they saw a few folks that were taller than them. No, there's giants there. It wasn't that they were exaggerating the numbers of people there. There was a whole bunch of people there. Far more people in the land of uh, promised land than was in Israel at the time. Nothing that they said. Well, some of its opinion i'm not trying to but hear the hear the spirit of what I'm saying, not the letter okay they they were giving the facts everything the ten spies said was factual, but it was not the truth because it was not the way things truly were now here's something that we got to get a hold of because this is where the devil keeps a lot of God's people in bondage and living beneath their privilege according to God not according to Mark Winslet not according to Kenneth Copeland not according to uh, uh, whoever else you want to name according to God considering facts alongside or equal to truth is evil it's evil well you know I mean we just you know we we got to we got to know we got to know all the details we got we got to we got to know we got to know both sides of it here cuz we you know we got we got to make a right there's a lot at stake here yes there was a whole lot at stake but the only thing that's going to get them into their promised land is to see it one way and one way only is to see it god's way and to refuse to see it any other way You say, Pastor Mark, that's narrow-minded. It's also called victory. It's also called winning. It's also called prospering. It's also called overcoming. Let me tell you what else it's also called. It's also called faith. So the ten spies did not have a single eye. As it relates to Matthew, the sixth chapter. What do I mean by single eye? You say, of course they didn't have a single eye. Ten people... Two eyes each, that's 20 eyes. No, no, listen to me. The ten spies did not have a single eye. They felt it necessary to present both sides of the story and let the people decide, but they clearly tried to sway the people over to the way they saw it. So when Joshua and Caleb have their turn to speak, (laughs) listen to me, We are well able to go up at once. Let's go now. Let's not even wait. Let's go right now and take what's ours. We've been wandering around for a long time. Let's go get it right now. And notice they they piled right back on. The ten spies had a view of their situation that came from their situation. Joshua and Caleb had a view of the situation that came from heaven via God's word to them. Now listen, what seems so innocent and harmless, after all, we're just telling you how it really is. No, you're not telling us how it really is. How it really is is truth. Let me tell you the difference if you don't know. The difference between a fact and a truth is that truths never change. Facts change with the weather. The fact is it's sunny outside today. And the fact is it was raining just a couple of days ago. That's a fact, but it's not the truth. The difference between a fact and a truth is that truth comes from God and it never changes. Facts cannot change the truth. Truth is superior to facts because truth can change facts, but facts can't change the truth. When we have double vision, it's when we try to consider a fact and truth as being equal. The fact was Abraham was old. The facts were Sarah was old and their bodies were dead and she couldn't get pregnant when she was in her 20s and now she's in her, what, 80s, 90s? All of those are facts. And as long as Abraham considered the fact equal to the promise, no child. But the Bible says he grew to the point to where he refused to consider. What does that mean? He refused to look at it any other way. Than the way God said it was. Light. True light. True light. Now. I'll finish here. What seemed so innocent. And harmless. Resulted in. An entire generation failing to fulfill their destiny. Oh, we just, what's the big deal? We just, you know. I wonder if like today, you know it did because it's the same devil, right? I can just hear those ten spies. They're lying to you. Joshua and Caleb are lying to you. Talking about we can go do it right now. They're not not being level-headed. They're not being reasonable. They're just ready to go on to something different. They don't care if you all die, and God doesn't care if you all die. I'm telling you right now, if you go over there and think that you can take that. See, they're, they're arguing, right? They're presenting their case with passion, right? Because God calls things that be not as though they were. got a lot of friends a lot a lot of people that we love that you know our family known them for years a lot of people family you know friends of our family and then literal family members of our family right and and I guess to them my mom and dad are the weird aunt and uncle and me and Matt and Meredith and our families are all the weird cousins And you know, we love that Brenda, but she's just in denial about her situation. Mom even, mom even had a friend of hers tell her she was lying when she told her she was healed. You're, you're lying. No, see, she's not lying. She's not lying. She's refusing to consider anything but the truth. Refusing to say anything but the truth, refusing to publish anything but the truth is not lying, it's not denial, it's not sticking your head in the sand. It's choosing to see things as they truly are and your whole body being filled with light. There's a difference. There's a difference. And let me tell you the difference. The difference is life and death. God said what those men did was evil and he sentenced them to death. Why? Because they sentenced an entire generation to death. That's exactly what they did. Because the people decided to see things the way the ten spies saw them, instead of, not the way Joshua and Caleb saw them, instead of seeing them the way God saw them. There's a difference. Josh, they were, see, when they disagreed with Joshua and Caleb, they were disagreeing with God. They weren't disagreeing with Joshua and Caleb. They were disagreeing with God. They weren't arguing with Joshua and Caleb. They were arguing with God. They weren't saying that Joshua and Caleb were full of it. They were saying God is full of it. And there's a big difference. Pardon that expression, but I just want to get real about it right there if I could. They weren't just saying Joshua and Caleb doesn't know what they don't know what they're talking about. I know more about it than Joshua and Caleb. See, you're saying you know more about it than God. Whew. It's evil. It's evil. It's let me tell you what it is. It's evil because it's darkness. Stand with me. About this God has delivered us from the power of darkness. Come on now, God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. I was once darkness, but I'm now light in the Lord, and I'm gonna walk as a child of light, Father. Father, I want my sight. I want to see, Lord. I want to see. And I won't be quiet about it. I want to see. Religion's not going to hush me up. Lord, this world's not going to cause me to be silent. I don't care how much they tell me to be quiet, Father. I'm not going to be quiet until I see. I want to see. Matthew 5, 14 and 15. Jesus Himself, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Joshua and Caleb were just letting the light that they had shine. That's all they were doing. They had seen it inwardly. They had looked to God and God had filled them with light and they saw, uh, every, they saw every obstacle the other ten spies saw. They just knew that those obstacles were no match for their God because they were filled with light. They weren't afraid. They weren't, do it afraid. That's what the world says. That's what religion says. They weren't doing it afraid. They were, they were oh, sweet Jesus, let me keep going in here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. And this was our introduction for this morning. Amen. The lamp of the body is the eye. Matthew six twenty two and 23. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. Ten spies had bad eyes. Okay. What does that mean? They had double vision, which caused them to be double minded. And what did James say about a double minded man? Unstable in all his ways. Thank you, Sister Elizabeth. In all of his ways, not just one. Unstable in all of his ways. Because if the light that's in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. I've learned that people who can't see it when it comes to healing, they can't see it when it comes to child raising either. People who can't see it when it comes to child raising can't see it when it comes to money either. Double-minded in one area caused uninstability in every single area of your life. Now, if I had another hour, we'd talk about people who sat in darkness. And here's the difference, okay? And I'm going to talk about Bartimaeus. But here's the difference, okay? Bartimaeus knew he was blind. Bartimaeus knew that he wasn't seeing what needed to be seen. So many of God's people today sitting in churches all over the world, blind, but don't know they are. And because they don't know they are, they're not crying out to God so that they might see. Amen. Father, Lord, we just say yes. We agree with you and we agree with you quickly. Father, that we are sons of light. Even even the females among us, Lord. It's no, it's neither male nor female in the kingdom, Father. We're, you see us all, Lord. You see us all in that same Jesus perspective, Lord. Sons of light. You made us the light of the world. Not for us to be hidden under the canopy of... Of some building with a steeple on top. But for the world to see our good works. Lord, for our lives to become the ability for other people. To see enough to shift their focus. upward, so that their bodies can be filled with light. Father, I thank you that you are doing something very important in us. And this significant shift, Father, that you began to speak to us about at the beginning of the year, it's it's coming into focus more and more now, Lord, exactly what you meant. Lord, we don't run from it, but towards it. We don't pull back in in fear and in, in anxiety or even... Intimidation from the devil or the world or the religions that he controls, but Father, we we lean into it because we want to see. We want to see. So, Father, my prayer for everyone listening to me right now is that you would give to each and every one of us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. And that we would know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe. Father, that we would recognize that the power that you displayed in the resurrection of Jesus is also the power that raised all of us from the dead that seated him far above all principality, power, might, and dominion every name that's named both in this age and the age that is to come. Father, in doing that you gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body and that we are the fullness of him who fills all in all. We declare these things, we believe these things, we stand on these things, we confess these things. And we will not be hushed by those around us. But we'll cry out all the more. Restore our sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Praise be unto Jesus. Amen. You, you be blessed. Thank you for a, a, a wonderful worship time together. Um, shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. We'll see you Wednesday if not before.